0: This is a post-Christian podcast.
1: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast.
2: Sorry, I'm having a kind of a difficult morning. Um, (laughs) The joys of co-parenting and communication. (laughs) So that was a bit of a... That was a bit crazy. Oh, we already got five viewers. Um, Yeah. So welcome everybody who's who's watching on Facebook Live. This is our first Facebook Live, and glad you're here. Um, you're gonna have a weird angle this week, but we have a tripod coming. We de- we depend on donations around here because we are <laughs> we're low budge, but we're trying. Um, so it's January. Happy New Year. And every January, we start in the book of Galatians. And then I try to figure out where to preach from there. Um, yeah, here we go. Hey, hello from Maine. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. Um, so, yeah, so we start in Galatians every every beginning of New Year. And that's what we're doing. Um. I just read this Gigantor commentary on Galatians. Very informative, almost too informative. Uh, I don't know if there's more more little... What are the, the notes they put underneath usually? Footnotes. footnotes. Yeah, there's more footnotes to the commentary than there is commentary half the time. So it's very, very... Posh. Um, I'm going to take out my gum, because speaking with gum is not fun. Twenty-three viewers already. Well, welcome everybody. Well, 21. <laughs> They're coming and going. Um, so the letter to Galatians is uh, is a pretty amazing letter because it's two things. It's a book about grace or a letter about grace. But it's also a rebuke letter to a group of people who are getting away from that. Um, Gaul Gal, or Galatians is obviously a community that Paul started, and it, we don't he, we don't know how long in the time has been since Paul was there or when he last communicated with them. But it seems that people are going back to more of a a a, a traditional Jewish Christian understanding or jewish understanding of christianity and when paul was around you know when paul first was converted he would have just been seen as a apostle who moved to another form of christianity i mean another form of judaism because christianity for a little while was considered a part of judaism so he would have been seen as like he just moved from the pharisaical movement to the christian movement um And Paul, I think, actually played a huge part in, um, big, big big part on uh, probably separating Christianity from Judaism by his acceptance of non-Jewish folks and uh, Gentiles, which was his main ministry, and kind of shook everybody up and shook everything up. And so Paul is talking to his church in Galatians almost in a way as that they're like he's talking to a you talk to a judge, like he's giving his case, you know, forceful, but giving his case. So we're going to start with Galatians, my favorite book in the Bible. And um, unfortunately, I didn't learn a whole lot of brand new stuff from this commentary. But I'm hoping maybe next week the part two will be maybe I'll get more meat in there. Um. But Paul starts out with his very traditional way of letter writing. and I, I keep adjusting my Bible, and then I forget that I have a camera on my, my phone. Um, Paul starts in a very traditional way. It's so funny. The only thing I've ever seen live on, on Facebook is, like, some sort of, like, Christian infomercial or a guy selling stuff. It's the only thing I've ever seen live on Facebook. And I'm wondering what this looks like because it's this way. and The guy's thing was this way. It was, like, that way. Um... Can you see all of me there online? I'm asking. Hi, Kate. Hi, Robert. Sean, I see you. A. can I No one's telling me anything. So, all right. Starts off with a usual greeting. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authority but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all members of God's family who are with me. So he's giving a greeting. He's obviously with a community. He's sending a greeting from the community, and um, that's what's happening. Oh, there, we've got some answers. All good from here. Thank you, Alexander. Um, so he's giving the greeting. He goes on to say, This church of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God— our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins and set us free from this present evil age, according to the will of our God Father, to whom the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, Present evil age was something you probably would have heard a lot. You know, just there's a lot going on in the world. Um, The Gauls, are. it's interesting because there's different concepts of who they were. Um, A lot of people believe they were a warrior culture. And used by military, used for military use. And um, there's even I've even seen old uh, art of them like battling nude, like you know what I mean. Like they would just have a sword and uh, (laughs) and a uh, what is it? A shield, (laughs) Captain America shield. And that was it. And I guess that was a way to that was pretty intimidating if you saw a bunch of naked folks walking up with just swords and shields. I'd be like, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> or I'd be like, all right, <laughs> it's a buddy. Um, so he, he, he's, 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 he's talking to them. But what's happened is, is some groups of other Christians, and it almost looks like a faction of James, Jesus' brothers, could have come into his community. And that's what's interesting is because you see this conflict here. Um, of of what's happening and it's literally happening within the Bible because you can kind of see James would be uncomfortable with Paul and Paul would be uncomfortable with James. And a lot of people don't look at the Bible that way because they think it's like just it's coherent and it's all works together and there's no problems and no contradictions. You know, it's not just like little things like I can find a sentence that contradicts a sentence over here. I mean, that's easy. But you can also find in the apostles' messages some contradictions. You know, of and I don't even want to say contradictions, but more of their traditions. You know, there's traditions that they've grown up and practiced, you know. And so most of the 12 were just practicing Judaism with Christianity. And Paul takes this big step to say, it's not just the Jews that are called, but it's all people. It's Gentiles too, which is everybody who's not Jewish. And then he starts to say, you know, we don't need these customs anymore, we don't need these things anymore, you know, let's get rid of them, and some people wanted to hold on to the traditions, and I think we see that a lot in the church days, you know, people come in and they want to change things and say, yeah, this isn't really working anymore, or this doesn't seem like a necessary thing, and people get like, well, we've always done it this way, you know, when you hear people arguing about the curtains in the church, or the carpet in the church, or, you know, what color the bulletin is or what font was used, you know what I mean? It's like people tear each other apart over the most petty things. And when you look at what Paul's confronting, he's kind of some, like, things that were just, they thought were foundational to the faith. So people are really upset. Um, And he, he starts, I mean, he starts right off the bat hitting, hitting hard, you know? And uh, he starts with... I am shocked that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Now, who is, who, is, uh, <laughs> who is Paul talking about here? He's talking about himself, the one who called you. He's not just talking about Jesus. He's talking about himself, the one who called you to Christ. So he's like, I'm really shocked that you guys are turning away from my message so soon. You know, what's going on? And so he, 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 it's just, you know, he doesn't go through the names of greeting the people who are with him. He doesn't name the person who's, who's writing the book for him, you know, who he's dictating to. He doesn't do any of that. He just kind of really gets into it. And you can see that he's, he's, he's extremely, he uh, seems, seems a little bit annoyed. And we'll see that more as we get through the book where he says stuff that's like really graceful and then really irritable. Um, and I, that's one of the things I've always kind of liked about Paul is that, you know, you never you always get a mixed bag with the guy. And uh, you see his humanity. Not that there's another gospel, but there are some who co- are confusing you and want to per- pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you the gospel contrary to what we proclaimed to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. That's pretty heavy stuff, curses. And what he's talking about here is not necessarily a curse from God, which is interesting, but he's talking about a self-curse, like you're cursing yourself. If you do this, you've decided to live under a curse. Sometimes Paul will argue that if you go back to the law, then you're under the law, completely like if you if you want to follow the law then you have to follow the law to a T you know you can't compromise you can't mess up because that's how demanding the law is and he's saying we're free from the law we don't have to be in the law and so these folks are kind of making this kind of hybrid faith of Jesus and grace with a little bit of law you know and i think that's what christianity in america has been for as long as we've been doing christianity Is we just create new laws and new traditions and new things and new ideas that will get you in the door. Or if you've, I mean, have you ever sat and have you ever tried to join a church? I have. And they sit down and they explain all their theology to you, and then you have to agree to the theology and you have to agree to the, you know, being under the leaders and things like that. And I remember I went to one church, and this was maybe 15, 20 years ago, and um, they were. They were Calvinists. And I had no idea. I'd been going to this church for months, you know, and I had no idea they were Calvinists. And I grew up Arminian, you know, free will. And so all of a sudden I was like, well, I can't join this church because at the time I thought, and right now I don't care about free will or predestination, but at the time it was like this really big deal for me. And I was like, how have they never told me this? They preach so much about grace. You know, now all of a sudden, and then they also, I never noticed, they said that women couldn't be pastors. So I was like, done, I'm checking out. It was like the most graceful church I'd ever been to. I thought they were so much grace, so much love, so much like I thought they were completely inclusive. Um, And then I found all this stuff out and I was like, oh, I got to bounce. You know, I can't be here anymore. I can't agree with, you know. And it was sad because I had a lot of friends that I loved and cared about that went to this church and it was finally a church that I thought I felt comfortable in. But it's amazing sometimes when you can go into a place and feel included because they don't give you the details. You know, and I see a lot of my LGBTQIA friends deal with that where they go into church and they're like, Oh, we're welcoming, come in. But then they're like, We're not completely welcome. You can't be on staff unless you decide to be celibate, or you can't do this, or you can't be on leadership, or you can't volunteer. And it's like this like bait and switch type of thing. You know, this this new law that we create. And that's what's happening here is Paul's going like this isn't grace at all. You've strayed away from it, you've actually fallen from grace. So Paul goes on to say am i now seeking human approval or god's approval or am i trying to please people if i were still trying to please people i would not be christ's servant and this is a thing the people pleaser or or they called it the man pleaser was kind of a character that was known at the time you know like this kind of caricature of a of like someone who's just always like trying to tickle your ear and make you happy and uh, I've been accused of that a lot of my life. It's like, oh, you're just tickling people's ears, you know. You're just telling them what they want to hear. And I mean, when you come in and say you don't have to be cast- castrated, you don't have to be circumcised, I mean, that is kind of good news, especially if you're an adult convert, um, you know. And you're saying you can eat bacon. Hey, bacon's always good news. Um, I don't eat bacon. But still, I've had bacon, and I know what I'm missing amazingness um, so so he's coming in and just saying you know you're free from all this stuff and he's like I'm not trying to please you but so often when we tell messages of good news or acceptance or equality we think oh you're trying to please people and I'm like man it was the same thing for me like I'm not trying to please people if I was trying to please people I would tell them what they wanted to hear so the money would keep coming in and so my work would continue to be prosperous you know my work never bounced back when I did what I said and, and believed what I believed. You know? And so that's the interesting thing with these folks who think, oh, well, you're just trying to please people, when you're like, well, I'm making you really angry, and I'm making the majority of people in my faith really angry. Whose ears am I tickling, and why am I tickling these ears? You know, do I really want the people of the world to love me so much? You know, what I really want is I want the church to be a safer place, what I really want is a church to be more inclusive, and what I really want is to see more people experience this faith. And that's the Paul Paul journey. That's the Paul's message. And so I've always been Paulinian. And there's a lot of people who don't like um, who don't like Paul. There's a lot of people who are like, oh. I mean, I used to be a part of this group called Red Litter Christians. You know, it was like we just listen to the words of Jesus. You know, and that's cool. You know, I get it. But Paul's a huge impact on me. I wouldn't understand grace if it wasn't for Paul. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I read Jesus. I I saw what Jesus did. I I read the words. But I still didn't quite get the concept of being loved unconditionally by something greater than myself. I never got the idea of being completely accepted, no matter who I was or what I did, until I read Paul. And so Paul kind of blew the lid off that thing for me. Um. So Paul's saying, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. So he's actually, word has got back to him like Galatians, the Galatians folks are going back to the law. Their critics are calling you a people pleaser. You know, all this stuff is happening. And so Paul's saying, all right, well, here's my case. I'll write a letter and send it to them. So he goes on to say, for I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed to me is not of human origin for i did not receive it from a human source nor was i taught it but i received it through the revelation of jesus christ now the interesting thing here is we get a little bit of a different explanation than we get in acts you know cuz in acts he goes to somebody's house the scales come off of his eyes they have a conversation you know and paul's near now saying like I didn't see anybody. I didn't talk to anyone. So, you know, you kind of got like, what's what's happening with Acts? Acts was written much later than, than uh, Galatians. So, there you go, folks. Um, little differences that we don't often talk about. Um, but he's wanting to make it clear that he is one, like he is, because, you know, everyone's saying he's not a real apostle. He never met Jesus in person. You know, so they're questioning his credentials. Obviously, These people are not fans of Paul. Obviously, Paul has caused them a lot of trouble and reformed a lot of things. Um, So it goes I do not receive it from human source, or was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. So Paul was going uh, on the road to Damascus. Damascus is probably one of the oldest Christian churches in existence and was, before Paul's conversion, was a big Christian church. And so he was literally on his way to persecute some Christians. Um, Now, I've talked about this before. I think I talked about it maybe a week ago or two weeks ago. But could you imagine if Paul was alive today and everything that would be said on social media about Paul like there would probably be videos of him like holding the coats when Stephen was stoned you know what I mean like on Instagram like is this who you follow you know why would you follow him you know and you'd have a case I mean if you saw a guy standing there being like watching the stoning being like yes this is good kill this man in front of you none of us would be like yeah that's the guy that's the grace guy, you know. Um, Philip Yancey, <laughs> like if there was a video of Philip Yancey killing Christians, you know, what's so amazing about grace or the Jesus I never knew probably wouldn't be as big of a seller. Or Brendan Manning, you know, the grace guy. I used to kill Christians, but I'm different, I swear. You know, that's nothing. And if we don't think those Christians were being tortured and killed, then you'd, you should read your history a little bit closer because Paul was... When he says violently persecuting, he was violently persecuting them. Hey, Travis Grew, good to see you, buddy. Welcome back to Revolution. It's been a while. Um, he goes on to say, I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the tradition than my ancestors. So you have somebody who's just like the man. He's basically saying, like, I had it together. Not only was I part of the most strict, one of the stricter, I mean, well, they were actually kind of seen liberals in some views, uh, uh, Pharisees were. But they were very brilliant people. And he was making the case, like, no, I was not just a smart Pharisee. I was one of the smartest Pharisees. So he's kind of, like, laying it down. Like, he's trying to be like, I know what these guys are saying to you because I taught it. Matter of fact, not only did I teach it, I was an expert in it. You know, I did it with my free time. So Paul is going out there. And he is laying out his, you know, his LinkedIn. <laughs> Check out my LinkedIn, man. <laughs> I've got it all together. Um, so he's advanced. He had zeal. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. I did not confer with any human being. So there you go again, he's saying I didn't confer with any human beings. So you have a different story than we see in Acts. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were already uh but uh, but to those other who are already apostles before me. Cuz so he's basically saying before those were apostles before me. He's claiming to be apostle. Um Well, I went at once into Ereba, and afterwards towards I returned to Damascus. So he went away, and we don't know what he did. We don't know if, like, he was having Jedi visions of Jesus or, you know, what he was studying, but he just said, I went away and learned things. Um, Then, after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. But I did not see any other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And I think it's interesting that he mentions James here because I have a feeling, I really do have a feeling that James's sect of Christianity are the folks who are coming in saying that Paul is a people pleaser and that Paul is saying the wrong thing. It might not have been James directly, but I think it's definitely people from, from followers of James, um, which is interesting why is it interesting? Is because I think it's important for us to see that there's always been conflict in our faith, in Christianity. There will continue to be conflict. Unfortunately, we live in a culture where we cancel each other out or we scapegoat each other and we don't listen to each other or we can't agree to disagree, and so we don't sit down and have a lot of good conversations. You know, Instead, we get personal. We say mean things. We tell, oh, well, you're going straight to hell because you don't believe in you know, a literal seven-day creation. You know, I mean, it's like it's insanity, you know, and, so, and that's, I think, why it's so important that the message of grace, that it's a free gift and that no one can boast, all are saved by Christ through faith, not by works. You know, I think why Ephesians 2.8.9 is so important is because we need to know that we're free to argue well, you know. I mean, I'm ready to, you know, I've been ready to damn people in the past because of their political affiliation, And now I see, and I've moved away from that because I realized I was scapegoating people. But now online, I see a lot of my progressive brothers and sisters who are like totally into grace, totally into love, but like saying, well, these conservative Christians can't be real Christians. So now all of a sudden, we're back to judging each other's faith and taking grace out of it. Well, they're not real Christians. I'm the real Christian. You know? And you can see that a little bit with Paul. Paul's saying, like, I'm the real, you know, my message is real, and these people's message isn't. But which message do we lean towards? Which message do we see through the lens of Christ? Because that's how you have to read Paul is through a lens of Christ. And then I read the rest of the Bible through a lens of Christ and Paul. So I have kind of like one Paul lens and one Jesus lens, and and that's how I try to interpret the Scripture. Um, So we scapegoat a lot of people, unfortunate. Um, There are people who are immature in their faith, there are people who have a very basic understanding of Christianity. There are people who are, are unfortunately victims of misinformation. There are, I'd say, the majority of people that I know, probably even the majority of people who listen online to our, you know, I don't even know, maybe a tender don't really read the Bible for themselves. You know? Does anybody in here have your Bible with you? Uh-huh. Where is it? It's in your bag. And some people have their Bibles on their phone. Okay, look at that. We have some really good religious people here. You all win. It was a surprise. You each get $100 in revolution money. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know... We all don't necessarily spend a lot of time in our Bibles, read the Bible, and often in the church and Christianity and the faith, we go to church every Sunday and we allow the pastors and people like that to believe on our behalf or to preach on our behalf, to think on our behalf. And that happens. And it happens out of tradition. It happens out of the fact that life is busy. You know, We've got things to do. We've got places to go. You know. I, I don't have time to just, like, I'm going to have my quiet time. I don't have quiet time. The only reason I study the Bible is because I am a pastor. If I didn't wasn't a pastor, I don't think I'd read the Bible a whole lot. I'd probably read books about the Bible, but I don't think I'd spend a lot of time in the Bible. So I'm not saying I've got it together. It's my job. So, yeah, I read the Bible. Um, but the fact is, is we write each other so off so much, and we're not willing to have the hard discussions. And so through these letters, because, you know, they didn't have phone or text or television or anything like that, you see these discussions happening. And I think, just to bring it back to the original point, I think that's why it's important to see that there are disagreements in the Bible and to admit that and to notice that and to talk about that. You know That we're following in a long tradition of people. I mean, Judaism, people would sit down and pick one sentence and they would argue it out and tear it apart and see where it went. But they didn't disown one another because they disagreed. They realized that that was a part of their faith. Was discussing, having hard conversations, and communicating with each other. You know, like Paul was would send these letters, and it wasn't like he was just going to send the letter and never show up again. You know, I'm done, or like make a little tweet like, "Hey, Galatians are being real jerks." You know, look who's going back to the old ways. You know, hashtag cancel. You know. Not my church, you know. No, you know, they, they communicated. They argued these things out. They wrote letters that rebuked each other, and then they got letters back. And, you know, I mean, they, they, they worked through it. That's how if we want to see things change, it happens through communication. It happens through having hard conversations. And it happens from us not discounting one another the second we sit down, you know. And so here you see is people arguing over who's right, who's wrong. And Paul's going to lay out a huge argument here that we'll go over the next six weeks, and we'll look at this argument and see where is Paul in that, and we'll see you know what it looks like so i follow I follow Paul, you know, I'm with him in this letter, I think he's right, you know there should we shouldn't we shouldn't require all this stuff of other people, but I still think we should have conversations, so it goes on to say. Then after three years, I did go to Jerusalem to visit... C- oh, and he mentions Jesus' his brother, James. And what I was writing to you before God, I, I do not lie, he says. Then I went into the relig- uh, region of Syria, Syria and Cilicia, and I was still of still Judea that are in Christ. The only thing they heard and said was, the one who formerly persecuted us is now proclaiming the truth he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me I mean you know that's pretty awesome text right there i mean that's the end of 1 is we glorified god they glorified god because he turned because he changed you know and nowadays you know the guy who wrote i kissed dating goodbye i've been hitting this one hard he changes and people say too late you hurt me, you know. And these people are saying, let's rejoice. And it's we're not going like too late, you killed a bunch of Christians. You were there when Stephen was stoned, you know? Or that Christianity Today article that came out that said Trump should uh resign. I don't know how many progressive Christians I saw that was like, This guy was retiring and it's too late. They should have written this a long time ago. You know? Should have changed earlier. Like, yeah, that's probably good advice if you're in a relationship and someone comes back to you after years and is like, I'm different, I'm a new person, you know? Let's get back together, you know? And you go like, yeah, I've moved on, it's too late. You know, I get that. That's that's relationship. <laughs> that's, you know, that's good dating advice. Like, yeah, it's probably, you know, it's great. That, great you changed, I'm glad you did, and I hope you find somebody, but, you know, I've moved on. I get that. But in our faith or in a movement, that's not what it's about. Like, I don't think Martin Luther King ever would have said to anybody who's like... MLK, you're right. I've decided, you know, years after being racist and, 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 and being, you know, persecuting your brothers and sisters and you, you know, I've decided to come around and I don't think Martin Luther King would have ever been like, oh, brother, I am sorry. You know, I have a dream, but you're not in that dream. You know, if you could have maybe done it a little bit before you wrote that book or put up those pamphlets or, you know, burned the bus with, of people who were trying to help me, you know, maybe then you could have changed. But no. He gave, people like Martin Luther King rejoiced when people were set free from misinformation. And so we see that right there, as Paul says people were rejoicing that I had come around. So he's saying, even I was here at this place. He's saying, I mean, he, what he's laying out is pretty, pretty smart. It's because he's saying, I understand my critics. I was one time my critics. I lived that way. And I think that's what's good for a lot of us who come out of legalistic backgrounds and stay in the church, is for us to come back and look back at our lives with empathy. You know, going like, I was that way, and what did it take me to change? You know, a few weeks ago, I said that maybe we should write letters to those people who hurt us in church. You know, especially if they're still there. And thanking them and saying like, you know what, you changed me, you hurt me, but by hurting me, I'm not. And this would be a very passive aggressive Minnesota letter. Um, <laughs> I am not you, you know. I I got out, and I'm living a new life. And matter of fact, I want to tell you all about it because it's really great, you know, something like that. I don't know. I don't know of a good way to do that letter. Maybe don't write that letter. But maybe write that letter in your journal and just tuck it away. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's good news, right? Yeah, you know, let us embrace that. Let's be thankful that we got free from that. And what Paul is trying to say is like, I get these teachers of religious law. I get why they want you to do these works. I understand why they're doing it. I was that, and now I'm not. Now I've changed, and I am free, and I want you to stay free as I'm set free. And next week, we'll see Paul sit down with Peter and James and say, guys, don't go back to the old way. We know it's not this way. You know, you see this confrontation. So I think this is just one of the greatest books in the Bible because of that. Um, I actually never really focused too much on the people being grateful that he changed, but just imagine if we were just like, you know, what was the guy's name, Heroicus, dating it by? Somebody in here knows. Josh, Joshua Harris. You know, imagine if we were just like, People are like, thank God, it's awesome, you know? Or I mean if there were people saying that, you know, or when the when Christianity Day wrote their thing, we're like, This is awesome. You know? Great. Not like, oh, it's too late. I mean, that's just to me like it's a complete like digital internet culture where we've got to the point where we're just saying, like, oh it's too late. Sorry. Like, we don't get the idea of what repentance means. We don't get the idea of what grace means. We don't get the idea of what changing means. I'm not saying that you have to invite him over and be your best friend. I mean, I probably would have kept my distance from Paul the Apostle for quite a while with a little bit of suspicion. Like, is he just getting us all together? (laughs) Is he just going to throw a big conference in Damascus and then (laughs) close the gates? (laughs) You know, I, I would, you know. And I'm not saying the same way we operate faith is the same way we operate personal relationships. And the same way we work in community isn't the same way we deal with marriage. Okay, those are all different things, and they're all very unique. So I'm not saying that. So I hope when we we listen to that, we don't think, like, this is just one fix for every situation. It's not. But this is a fix of what's happening when a community is being affected by bad theology, what some people would call heresy. And um, Paul's trying to work it out. And Paul's coming in saying, not only do I understand heresy, I was the man at it. I understand it completely. So anyway, that's today's talk on Galatians. Um, What we do is we have Afterglow, and since I don't think you'll be able to hear anyone in the audience do Afterglow, what I'm going to do is do the Afterglow with Facebook questions first, and then we'll do group questions here. So if you have a question or a comment tippity-tap, or tippity-tap, however you use your phone, and I will read it, and we'll respond, and maybe someone from the audience will come up here and respond. Uh, We don't have our microphone set up today for the audience, so we won't be able to... Yeah, we've got a... It will be be on the recording. You'll get the whole revolution experience on the recording. So any pushback on Facebook or any questions? I'm going to go through and see. This is why I appreciate Afterglow. It's very similar. Hmm? Awesome live message now. I'll be watching. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. Someone said they love me. That's nice. Oh, let's see if we can see more. See more, please. It's not Let me see more. Um, this is happening in the Methodist church. Amen? That's true, but you know it's time we're lots of purple. It seems like somebody's going to be just that. Okay, just, hi, Jay. They lure us in and then surprise us. Here's all the things you can't do. Stay under grace. So I'm just reading your comments right now. Sean from Canada says, heart emoji. <laughs> uh, now Sean just said that was the best take on Paul. Very encouraging. I concur. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, I was in such a, such a frazzle today when I sat down to speak, I thought, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> I wanted to throw the tables over, Jesus style. Um, well, thank you. Cheryl says she's very encouraged. The Methodists are breaking their church on this division, unfortunately. That's from Robert. It's just so crazy how relevant the issue of Galatians are today What are with we, what we're experiencing today. I agree, yeah, that's why I kind of hold on to Galatians. Thank you, Richard. Um, Sean said, good to see so many viewers because we have over 30 right now. That's pretty cool. We haven't had that on Insta. Um, I appreciate your perspective, but as a fan and former Christian, I have to say that protecting oneself from your, oh gosh, it says see more, and I won't let me see more. This is a good question. This is a good comment. I kind of get the gist of it, and I understand protecting yourself from your enemies, if that's what you're saying, because I think there's a time where we can't go back and do that. I just hope that eventually we get to the point where we can go back, or that. People, or, or that we can send them books, or send people their way, um, because I want to see people change, even my enemies, even my persecutors. Um, you know, I would have liked to seen Jerry Falwell change more before he passed. I would have liked to see his son still change. I would like to see people change. Um, doesn't mean that we're going to become roommates or anything like that. Um, our best friends, you know. <laughs> but also, if sometimes forgiving people is just a thing that you do, and it helps you more. Your, it helps yourself, the forgiver, more than the one who's being forgiven. Because sometimes the person you're forgiving doesn't even care. But sometimes when you let that pressure and stuff off your shoulders, it really does help. Um, apparently, I missed the sermon, but I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, thanks. Yeah, sorry. And I can't read the names very well. I think it's. JL JL I might Reeves. She said thanks. Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't read more of your question. If the comments get long. It says see more, but it won't let me go any longer. Serious Q, how do you feel about the current exodus of people from the church that are happening now? Um, I think it's probably a good thing, honestly. In the in the long run, um, I'm not excited that the church is dying. But I feel like if we don't die, you know, I think the church dying might be the one thing that brings the church together to start trying to figure out what we've done wrong. And I hope we can figure out what we've done wrong and maybe communicate with each other if we're desperate enough because it seems like the only thing that's going to get the church to unify is desperation, unfortunately. And, um, you know, so maybe that's where we need to be. That's my two cents. When is your next book coming out? I don't know, but if there's any publishers out there, call me. I have three ideas. Um, But I do have some projects in the works right now uh, some really cool stuff that I, I can't really talk about yet, but I'm really stoked about. So there are two projects coming up, and I'm also going to be in Belfast, Ireland, talking about my mom and uh, contradictions of my parents in the 80s in uh, Ireland. And I think it's going to be May 15th. So if you can go to Wake or go to Belfast to see that, great. I'm sure there's a lot of Belfast people listening. Um, JL, JL, like the last who killed someone with a tape. <laughs> is it like super, one of Superman's relatives? Okay, sorry. I'm getting lost. What kind of Bible do you recommend to someone who is new to exploring their faith? Um, I don't recommend reading any Bible literally um, and studying it, but if you're really somebody who really just wants to get basics, I, I really always liked the New Living Translation. Um there's one thing I didn't like about it is because they have uh the term I don't know if the term is in the actual verses, but they had a thing where you could look up and it used to say homosexuals, and I didn't like that. But I liked the way that the New Living Bible read very easily. I read um the New Revised Standard Bible and I think it's the most accurate. So if somebody's willing to just like kind of wrestle through it and sometimes hear statements that similar sound somewhat like questions, that's a good translation. Yes, uh, okay. I don't think it's fleeing from faith, Alexander says, but from hypocrisy. Um, a complete do over for the church, someone said. <laughs> yes. Um, are you being consulted on the movie slash musical about Tammy Faye? Well, that has nothing to do with the sermon. But I've talked with some people from the movie, and I'm hopefully talking with some people uh, about the musical very soon. So, there you go. Um, I think, unless I see... I'm glad you showed up too, Sean. Uh, Regarding the exodus of church. Back to Alexander. Yeah, I don't think it's a fleeing from faith, but from hypocrisy. Yeah, I agree, Alexander. I also think that a lot of people are leaving their church, yeah, because of bad theology. Um, you know, I also get the people who are like, I just can't grasp a man in the sky being real. I get that, but I think a lot of people are just saying the church is not relevant to me anymore um, because of they're mean or angry or not inclusive. You know, not loving. It doesn't seem like a or it's just not relevant. So I think it's yeah. We'll have to see what we can do to change things. So, do we have any comments in the in the crowd? And then I'll just if something comes up here. If we don't have a comment, I'll read it.
0: I think the whole, uh, I think it's tricky, the whole thing with, like with Joshua Harris and all that, just, you know, um, saying you've got to change, you you know, one side telling another you've got to change, you've got to change, you've got it all wrong, you misunderstand, but then once they do, it's like maybe the motivation for, uh, flinging all this guilt at them was, was just to have, um, just to be able to call them out, you know or just to be able it's almost like they didn't want them to repent or to uh, or, or, or to change their mind because they're no longer an easy scapegoat and it's like well I, I needed that scapegoat and now you know they're gone it's 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 a weird thing it's a really weird thing, and at the same time um, I don't think it's healthy either just to up and like forgive and forget quote unquote and be like, oh well, then all everything you've ever done is all forgotten you know I think it's a it's a nuanced Tricky balance I think um,
2: I think we lost Connection
0: here It kind of reminds me Robert of In uh, in A Boy Erased um, That main Counselor guy How he um, You know Came out And is now Living his best self And and um, But th- that doesn't Erase You know It doesn't undo The awful tra- Traumatic uh, Traumatizing Experiences That he put those people through it's encouraging and it's good I think that he came to a place and became real with himself and repented and tried to make amends in any way he could and was very public about the bad things that he did and, and is is actively trying to uh, get rid of gay conversion therapy altogether. You know that's great and it still doesn't change how it hurt the people that are hurt. And to get even more nuanced, like Jay was saying. Um, it, having those experiences, having those awful uh, conversion therapy or, or camp experiences is what made people who they are, is what part of what made you such a strong and resilient person with a strong and important message that needs to be heard and to be articulated only in a way that it can be articulated by someone who's been through that awful, awful stuff. And so I think that um, harping on the fact that it happened and harping on the fact that it never should have happened is kind of redundant at a certain point. It did happen, and all we can do... I'm always... One phrase I always use is onward and upward. You know, it's to, like, try to... Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that was awful. You know, but we're trying to keep things moving Um, at, at some degree of a positive angle, you know, at some incline... Um, doing the best that we can I think it's a really tricky thing But I think it's also very beautiful To walk away from that In, in the way that you have and, and you too Vicky And the trauma that you've experienced Religious re- related trauma And and um, it is not By any means mandatory For someone who's gone through that To try to uh, re-approach it And re-engage with it And talk through it And help people who are still stuck in it But I think that w- it is important to have people like you who are willing to address those things and talk openly about it in the interest of uh, bettering humanity and, and having someone there who, who can relate with people who are still going through that stuff.
1: Well, this is something that Caleb and I talked about briefly on the drive-in this morning. So on the one hand, we want to try to engage with the other and listen and begin to understand. But on the other hand, there's a need to protect people from vulnerable people, from kind of like what Caleb was talking about, the effects of some of the beliefs. For example, the political effects of some of the beliefs of um, what I would say are what looks like the majority of white evangelicals today. And so on the one hand you, you you want to treat other people as human beings but it seems like we also have a responsibility to, to speak out for what we believe is true and just.
3: Yeah, I think that's very important. Um, to kind of tie the two together, um, yeah, we do need to kind of protect the people and speak out because if we don't speak out, nobody else will. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know with the people kind of in this whole canceled culture kind of phenomenon um it it does surprised me sometimes that for example the author that you know thought um, like his stating goodbye and then wrote his second you know book and is kind of leaving his faith of the lack of um not just forgiveness, but, like, empathy. Like, this this person went through this yeah. faith journey, as we all did. Mm-hmm. And then we are so quick to jump on social media and write a snarky comment because we want reactions. Yes, and That's what it comes down to. We want reactions and retweets and et cetera. Yeah. Versus saying, you know, great. Like, you know, thank you for um, publicly coming out and just, you know, saying, you know, what I wrote is was harmful it was wrong and here's the second book and all about my experiences so i think we do need to be um you know show grace and kind of just keep that in mind that none of us were you know we all had the same journey we all had to kind of go through that conservative movement deconstruct come out of it and wherever that journey goes Mm -hmm. it goes so yeah yeah i
0: think i think that's a really good point robert and jay you touched on this a little bit too is like being so quick to be condemning of those people when you were there, and it's like, yeah, I was there, but I came out of it. But guess what? At that point in time, when you were in, were in that mindset, that is what made sense to you. That was your logic. And yet, you can say now, oh, I came out of it, or I was, which even kind of in, insinuates like I was, I was smart enough and strong enough to come out of it. Because look at me, and you know, I, I figured it out and cracked the code. But no, at that point in time when you were espousing these toxic things, that's where you were at in your head, and that's what made sense to you. And whether or not you were shown grace by people who had been that in that point or who had never been in that point, but either way who disagreed with you, I think is irrelevant or, or, or is, is, is important and um, as far as if you were shown that grace, paying it forward, I think. Is the most productive thing that you can do, and and if you weren't shown that grace, um, you know that's that's really really sad. But still, showing that to someone who's in that place is the only way that things can move forward. You know, and I have a I have a, a, a loved one who used to be um, a, a white nationalist, and um, thank God no longer um, calls himself that, and I, I think it's just a. A phase that happened when they went down to some youtube rabbit hole you know and wound up there somehow and um but at the time i wasn't like you freaking idiot you're a you know well i did <laughs> call, call him a racist and 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 a nazi and stuff but i wasn't being you know i, mean, I was like do you not hear yourself I was like you i i gave him the benefit of the, of the doubt as much as i could and said you're a loving person and i see this i've seen you grow a lot and and I see you continue to grow, and I, I I really hope this is a phase. Whereas I didn't like punch the the person in the face, where I, I probably wouldn't have felt too bad had I made that choice. I got very very angry a lot of times. Some of the stuff that they were saying, but, but I think that through love and patience, things can you know you people can change. And once they do change, maybe reminding them of of, of that um, toxic way of thinking that they had isn't such a bad idea. Sometimes you know so history doesn't repeat itself, but harping on it and being and you know and being unwilling to forgive when they changed in the way that you wanted them to change in the first place is really tricky. And in a lot of the like atheist communities that I hang out with that's honestly a big thing that you see is is people not being willing to for like you were saying Jay like forgive your your youth minister who is yeah. and and people have done awful things and, and a lot of people you, know, you can argue whether or not they deserve forgiveness or whatever but like I think realizing what brought us to where we are, for one thing, and the fact that we were once likely in the exact same mindset with the exact same convictions as these people. One of my friends who rubs me the wrong way and, and is the hardest, one of the hardest people for me to talk to, is a, a Calvinist apologist. And I used to think that way. I used to read tracts about Calvinism and, or you know, hand out tracts yeah. about like you know the way to get saved and stuff like that and um and so i can really relate with that person doesn't mean it, it doesn't like piss me off and really rub me the wrong way to have a conversation with them but but there, there's that degree of empathy that comes from i used to think just like this and you know i i can't get too mad at the guy because i used to be in that exact same place you know so.
2: yeah So said, said a lot Any other open desires? Open desires? Burning desires? Or open desires? I don't know. we will gonna call them. Got the two brave people who brought the cute, cutest little one. My my daughter just we just ordered her glasses last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's getting glasses. She had a her eye was kind of moving it in a little bit, so she loves Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, Minnie got yeah she got. I think they were they're kind of they're like a little bit like raspberry, but like pinky raspberry parenthood is really tough everybody and really awesome it's awesome and tough at the same time you saw the little tornadoes happening here so they love the microphone so did dad so look what happen to me
0: pastor milo pastor milo pastor yeah. mini oh
2: yes and no. you know. Like Part of me would be like really proud and part of me would be like, I don't want to go through that. I finally understand what my mom was telling me when I would take stands before I would take stands or say certain things. If I talked to her, she would just be like, I'm worried what the Christians are going to do to you. You know? So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Um, I didn't hit anybody up for money, but we are a non-profit and if you'd like to make a donation or offering, you can. Um, we're a nonprofit, profit so you can go to revolutionchurch.com and make a off, uh, 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 donation, or you can leave it here, and we'll get it into the right hands. Thank you so much. Have a good week, everybody. Love you guys.
1: We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.
0: Hi, I'm Caleb with Post-Christian Podcasting. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like The Sacred Collective.
4: We are The Sacred Collective. This isn't an argument you're going to win, and and, and not only that, You don't want to win it, even if it was. Mm. So you're just playing a different game. And so for Rob to even talk about this, we'd need to start talking about the Bible. And before we talk about the Bible, we would need to start talking about duality and how we read literature and its complexities to context and history and textual context and all these different elements, um, which is never going to happen in two minutes. And even if it was you gave two hours, would this person even be able to listen to that kind of conversation? Mm. Probably not yet. Yeah. and so you've got to have the the wherewithal at times just to go, hey, we're going to disagree. I know that's going to make you upset. The amount of people I've said, look, I know that you're doing your duty and you feel obliged to tell me I'm a heretic, that my teaching will be judged, that I'm leading people straight. I really understand that. I used to be like you. Yeah. And I really value your zeal, your passion, how much you love God and how much you're faithful for what you believe. Yeah. I just don't see things that way. You you haven't convinced me. And I don't think you will convince me. I know I'm not going to convince you of what I believe. Should we agree to disagree? Let's say you've done your obligation. God's not going to hold it against you. He'll hold it against me if I'm wrong. But thank you. I really appreciate you. I'm I'm really admire your passion. Yeah, I really do. Mm -hmm. I wish I was as passionate and zealous (laughs) from what I believe as you are for what you, I really do. Mm. Um, But we're not going to go anywhere. And, and, Nine times out of ten, that conversation goes okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's about as positive as I can say it. But sure. It goes okay. <laughs>